Welcome to a trade deadline reaction edition of the Grizz Den podcast. Brantley is in the house. What's up? What's going on, guys? Craft is here. He's been awake for 24 hours straight. I'm, I'm here, barely. And we traded Ty for five second round picks, so he is not on this <laughs> podcast. Um, the Grizzlies Excellent value. Did, did make a trade. Uh, we are going to talk about said trade in just a few minutes, but first, I want to set the scene because, in my opinion, this trade deadline, the last 24 hours, went in three phases. The first phase, to me, was pre-Durant trade, and it's been in that. It was in that phase, you know, from the time that we recorded our last podcast to all the different reports coming out about uh, the guys we wanted to target and the uh, posturing by different teams, who was going to make the first move, what was going to be the first domino to fall. And we got that trade uh, with the Lakers, the Timberwolves, and uh, the Jazz. And that was a pretty big domino, but we were talking about it, and we can talk about it more in just a few minutes as it relates to the Grizzlies. But it wasn't this massive change in how the Grizzlies were going to approach the trade deadline and then last night, at 1 a.m., the bomb was dropped. Kevin Durant was heading to Phoenix for a very large, uh, very large return. Uh, the Phoenix Suns have traded almost their entire draft, and Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, and Kevin Durant and T.J. Warren were heading from Brooklyn to Phoenix, and of course, that changed everything, in my opinion from there on when it relate, as it related to the Grizzlies because all of a sudden we had referenced it on our last podcast, but there were going to be teams that might wait to spend their assets until the summer because with the Kyrie-KD breakup with Brooklyn in disarray, KD might be available. And so you, got, you can't spend too much just if you want to be in those sweepstakes and if you're a team that feels like you could be or could have the assets to be in that sweepstakes. And then the conversation changed because not only uh, was OG on the market now as far as a 3 and D wing that could help a contender, but Mikel Bridges was potentially on the market. Dorian Finney-Smith was potentially on the market. All of a sudden, we had more options. And so Toronto's leverage was seemingly not as high as it once was. And to me, that was the second phase, which was the most exciting, and we can unpack that. And that happened... To me, lasted until about 11 a.m. when there was a tweet by Jake Fisher that came out about Nets planning to hold on to Bridges, and then everybody kind of had to come back down to earth. And then we had 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., which was the post-Mikel Bridges tweet, and that was phase three. Lots of emotions to unpack. Before we get to the trade, I'll start with you, Brantley. How were you feeling this whole day as far as up and down? Like, where were the emotions? Yeah, I woke up to 96 text messages, um, basically craft and tie on a little text message date while Will and I were being good humans and sleeping at normal hours of the night. And 
it took me it took me a while actually to find out the news through our text message thread because there was 96 of them um, and when I finally got to the KD trade um, I it, it took me a bit just to sort of you know get get my get my legs underneath me and figure out what that was going to mean for the day and you know at first I think I was like oh man maybe this will maybe we'll be able to work sort of bridges and OG against one another um, but I, you know, but then really, I quickly sort of came to, and I, this is still sort of what I'm feeling, and I don't want to be too much of a Debbie Downer because I am, I, I am excited about Luke Kennard for real. But I did sort of grieve the season in terms of the ceiling that we had previously thought was possible because I really think that ceiling, uh, uh, um, assuming that all teams are healthy, is uh, we have less of a probability of achieving that ceiling this year. And which that ceiling to me was like Western Conference Finals. So it's still possible, but I would just put it at a lower percentage chance. I mean, we can get into that later. Um, but honestly, like it was just, this was fun. This was one of the first trade deadlines where I really feel like it, the, the, the drama that has been potentially, um, you know, has been rumored just NBA wide actually occurred. Um, not just obviously with the KD side, but there's a lot of other people and things that moved, um, you know, without going into all that detail since we're a Grizz pod. It just was re really fun. So it was fun to sort of pay attention to it. But I still, I just would say I've sort of grieved it. I, I am sort of bummed that we didn't take advantage of a scenario. It seems like we were active enough. And again, I'm, you know, we'll go into that more of that detail later. So I'm not mad. I'm just sort of grieving the ceiling loss is, what I, is how I would phrase my emotion. What about you, Kraft? Uh, so I think I think it helped, honestly. I mean, it didn't help. I mean, I'm, I'm very tired right now. Uh, but that right before I was about to go to sleep, that the, the Durant trade happened. Uh, because I think that's one of the things that I felt even like at 2 in the morning was, man, there are so many people that are going to be waking up on the East Coast and then Central Time Zone processing this. And I've kind of have like a six, seven hour head start uh, a little bit and thinking through some things. And obviously Ty and I processed together um, in the middle of the night. But It was really cute. Yeah. So, uh, of course, he was like actually taking care of a human being, whereas I was just like a weirdo being up at two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but I, you know, I, so I obviously I've tried to have a bigger picture view of it. I mean, I got very excited. There was about an hour uh, I think what you would say right before the Jake Fisher uh, tweet about about Bridges where I thought, oh, we could really do this. Like we might really have uh, the perfect wing to go with Jaw, Bane, and Jaron. And so that was very disappointing when that didn't come through. I think for me, I, I went in when we, when we had our big discussion last week. I mean my, my thought was – if we can upgrade Dylan, let's upgrade Dylan. Uh, but besides that, I just I don't trust Danny Green, and I want somebody who is more certain than Danny Green to be able to hit shots that are open. Um, you know, of course, and we can talk about it. But you know, I would have I would love it if Luke Kennard was a better defender. But uh, with that, I kind of walk away saying the Grizzlies did before all this what I would have wanted them to do. Um, I feel like they tried. I mean, we, we'll never know how much they offered 
for an OG or a Bridges, uh, or maybe there'll be leaks, but I don't know if we'll be able to trust them. Uh, but so overall, I feel like in that sense, uh, I, I was happy with what they did, content, not ecstatic, uh, content. And of course, I had a, you know, I have a higher ceiling view of the present roster before the trade line, deadline, so I don't have that same kind of mourning that Brantley does. I'm still pretty optimistic about the season and its possibilities if we can be healthy. And I guess yeah. I'll say, we can get into it, Will, before you go. Just to clarify, my, my grieving is more about what everybody else did yeah. and sort of where we made marginal upgrades that I'm not sure is enough to like keep us in that same tier as previously. Sorry, Will, go ahead. Yeah, I think there's much more discussion about what we didn't do and the implications there. So I think we should actually start with what we did and talk about what this team is in re- reality. And then we can talk through um, the, the next six months and what that looks like for the Grizzlies. And in reality, what we got was Luke Kennard. We were part of a three-team deal where the Clippers main target and they got Aaron Gordon uh, from the from the Houston Rockets. And the Rockets got Danny Green, John Wall, who they've already bought out, and a first-round pick swap with the Clippers. And the Grizzlies got Luke Kennard. So basically the, Cl- the Clippers needed another team um, to get involved to ultimately get the deal done with Eric Gordon, and we were happy to oblige. I, uh, Luke Kennard is an, an elite shooter, and he is, I think – just an upgrade on on Danny Green in that in that spot. He plays six five, plays wing, and um, he does have he he does have a, a lack of defensive uh, versatility. I think he's gonna he's gonna be a, a a below average defender. But if you look at the team stats so far this season, the Clippers are better with him on the floor defensively than without. It obviously has to do a lot with who's around you, but it, it's not. Um, so far of a negative that it's a, it seems to be affecting the team defense. But we have two of the top shooters now in the league in terms of percentage uh, with Desmond Bain and Luke Kennard. He also is a movement shooter. I know a lot of us, like when I saw the Malik Beasley trade go through, I was pretty disappointed because he was immediately off the table for us. And there weren't a ton of other movement shooters to his level that were reported to be on the market. Uh, and Luke Kennard fits that. I mean, if you look at some of what he does best. Uh, one thing that stands out to me when I, this season, as I still remember the Clippers earlier, I think it was like back in the fall, I had like a 35-point comeback or something like that in a game that he was a key part of and hit the game winner. And it was a, coming around a pick and was like a quick uh, inbounds play. And I think just this is another tool in the toolbox for, for Jenkins. And I'm hoping that he gets a lot more run uh, moving forward than guys like Zaire Williams and David Roddy, just because I think shooting is has been has been the gap for us, and he can fill that. And in terms of contracts, we have two more years of team control with him moving forward. He is making a little over fourteen million a year uh, this year, so we actually went over the cap, which we'll get into in terms of implications moving forward. We get over the cap for this season. We have him next season under contract, and then there's a team option after that. And so the Grizzlies have another tradable contract moving forward in Luke Kennard, and I could see him being perceived as positive value on that deal if he continues to shoot at the the clip he's been shooting. And so, like, under these circumstances, 
with none of the other guys that we really wanted being dealt, I would consider this a win overall with the caveat that do I feel like the West got a lot better and we took a half step up? Yes. And so when you're talking about big picture, I think I think you have to look at the West as a whole and see that we're still, to me, maybe tier one teetering on tier two, but I think our odds were went down slightly um, to, to win the title this year. So overall, I mean, what do y'all think about Luke Kennard as he fits in this offense? Uh, well, I'll say I'm 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 excited in that you know here's the the positive spin is that one we're already what, number one number two defense. I mean, I, I love clean glass. We're we're a top elite defense. We have players like Dylan and especially Jaron protecting the rim behind him. Uh, Jenkins will have to kind of deal with those sort of lineups and try to get I think Luke Kennard in when we have some good defensive players behind him. But one of the things is, you know, I've watched a lot of Clippers games. They're kind of one of those late-night league pass teams. And Luke Kennard's somebody who always kind of flourishes more uh, when Paul George and uh, Kawhi Leonard weren't in the game. Uh, He's someone who I think prefers a fast-paced style. And so in some ways my hope is with the fact that we play faster – He's going to get a lot of wide open sort of fast break threes that we've been passing to other players who've been missing. Um, whereas, you know, the Clippers play a much more uh, basically slower pace. There's a lot of kind of one-on-one Kawhi Leonard and Paul George kind of taking their man one-on-one ball that kind of, uh, I think there's a little less movement in their offense than ours. And I think he could really benefit from that. I think also uh, Jenkins, well, I think Ty Lue is a great coach and really good uh, making adjustments during series and during games. I think Jenkins is a much is very good at ATOs, and I think that he'll be able to find, similar to what he does to Bain now, like what you were talking about with the movement shooter. And so I'm kind of excited to see uh, how he's going to be used. And and I think if we can not drop off defensively, and I will say, Luke Kennard's not like a Duncan Robinson who's just really bad. I mean, I, he's not I don't a traffic think, cone. Yeah, he is not. I mean, he will potentially. I mean, I'll say this: I don't think he'll be picked on uh, on our team before Jaw. I think that he will be. You know, I think that I don't know if he's so bad that it's going to be like we have to immediately attack him in the playoffs. Uh, he can kind. I think, and you know, I mean, whatever. He's a Duke guy. He kind of gets team defense concepts. It's one of the reasons why I think we keep keep drafting. I mean, keep like signing Duke guys. And so, in that sense, that's the positive spin. Uh, on him, I definitely just think he's better. Like Danny Green, uh, you know, even for him, looked like you know people on Twitter were joking about being him being called the jogger. And I just think there's a sense in which uh, he Luke Kennard is a much more certain rotation player for me than Danny Green was. And in that sense, I'm excited about seeing him. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I as I was doing <clears throat> just some preparation. Um, I, because I, I do not stay up and watch Clippers games, um, but I do feel like there has been games where I feel like Luke Kennard has hit shots that against us that where it's been very frustrating. Like he he really, he's just one of those guys. I just say it. He gets the ball and he puts it up, and you feel like it's going in every time. Um, and his the and the percentages back that up. Um, I, I compared like five players really quickly. I'm just going to do their per 36 stats just so that 
and I have a couple of different seasons that I'm pulling from just to kind of give some comparisons for Kennard. So first player per 36, 4.5 threes per game, shooting 36%. Uh, second player per 36, seven three-point attempts per game, 41.5%, um, and, sh- and scoring around 18 points per game. The first player was 10. Next player uh, thir- per 36 um, uh, is shooting around three a game at 39%, um, two more. Uh, next player per 36, seven threes per game, 42% from three. And the last one uh, per 36, uh, shooting eight per game at 45%, 16 points per game. Um, so first player I said was Conchar um, this season. So Jiddy and Kennard are both 6'5". Uh, you could argue that maybe this is a, 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 a hedge or an ability to maybe like let Kennard play more in playoff minutes versus Conchar, uh, Redick, JJ Redick. Those are the he, he was the next player. His per thirty six were seven threes a game at forty two percent. That was his career stats. Um, again, similar height, um, kind of movement type player. Also Duke person. The next player was Connaughton. That was what he averaged his championship season with the Bucks. Um, he was instrumental to the Bucks winning the championship against the Suns. If you watch that series, you remember him getting um, and making big shots when it mattered. Um, the next player that um, – the, the next to last player I read off was actually Bojan Bogdanovic, who I talked about is wanting. He's a different height. He's 6'7". Um, he's actually – he's scoring more because he's asked to do more in the offense, but his three-point attempts per 36 minutes and percentage is exactly what Kennard is. Um, and what I read off at the very end. So what we're getting in Kennard is a, is a lefty, by the way, which that's just going to be super fun to see a lefty shooting threes again in the FedEx Forum. Um, and, uh, and I just, I don't know, I just feel like we're going to be able to run some really fun scoring lineups and particularly have some half-court options where people have said that that's been sort of um, a critical component of us, you know, or critical of us potentially for the playoffs. And he, he's played in the playoffs too. So, um, you know, he's gotten real minutes and he's not going to be, you know, shy of the moment, I would anticipate. And so I do sort of think that, that this could be uh, our eighth person um, in a rotation for, for playoff scenario. And we don't have to worry necessarily about Zaire or Jitty. Um, we can let those guys take a break um, and take a deep breath, and you've got somebody who can come off the bench and could maybe even get hot and really, you know, um, you know, take a spot on the court when when Jaws cooking and and really keep the pressure on. Yeah, I think. I mean, I see at the playoff, you know, that he is an over forty percent three point shooter in the playoffs. I mean, like you said, it's not it's not a ton of usage. But uh, but he's shown that, and I think just watching games, like when Clippers have these crazy weird comebacks that happen a lot, he's usually a part of them. Uh, he has a very good three-point percentage, especially in clutch, last five minutes uh, of games. So I, I think I'm saying, honestly, I just think you, everything you hear out of the Clippers was the load management stuff with Kawhi and Paul George. Nobody ever knew how much they were going to play. Luke Kennard would play five minutes one game, would play 20-something minutes the next game. And I think coming into our culture where Jenkins is going to, like before every game, we'll let, like he'll know exactly here's my role, here's what you're doing. I'm hoping that he will flourish in kind of our system in a way that he maybe didn't, uh, you know, in the 
in the Clipper system. Yeah, do you think that this might even alleviate some of the jaw Tyus lineups, like the shooting need that we've ha- that we've been relying on with Tyus? Now you can plug in a guy like Kennard um, and and get some shooting. Um, I don't know if he's ever if he really runs point much, but I would assume he might can bring the ball up um, and 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 let that be the case versus Tyus. And then you really have the true one two point guard scenario where you're not trying to play two point guards at the same time. I really like a Tyus, Bain, Kennard, Santi, Jaron lineup for just pure offense. Like I don't think we've we've had an, a lineup so far this season where all five were actual threats from behind the arc, and and Kennard will make that possible. I wanted to note one other thing: last season he played the most minutes. It was the season. Uh, with the Clippers that Kawhi missed most of Paul George in and out of the lineup. He was still, Paul George was still having a great year overall, but Kennard had a 15.4% usage, which is right at around the 50th percentile. His points per shot attempt points per hundred shot attempt was, was still 94th percentile in the league, which is incredibly good. And then he also had an assist percentage that was in the 63rd percentile. So he had like 11% assist percentage. Um, his turnover percentage was, was pretty, pretty low overall. That was in the 73rd percentile. So like overall, what I see when I, in, in the, like the season before that, and then this season so far, you can tell those two had Kawhi in it. And like you mentioned, Kraft, they play heavy ISO. And so he doesn't have the opportunity to play make in that system since he's having to defer. But it, when he was asked to do that last year, he actually could do it. And so it's not just a standstill shooter that we're getting. We're getting a guy who cuts, who knows how to play, who's going to get rid of the ball when he doesn't have a shot really quickly. It's almost like a, a Conchar who could actually shoot at a 40% uh, clip and who also and maybe not quite the feel that Conchar has, but pretty close to it. So yeah, it's a definite upgrade yeah. overall. And he's played in the West Finals. It's not the so the moment I don't think is going to be too big for him in the way that we worry with Conchar and Zaire, like or with Melton like, or with Melton. Yeah. So, which you know technically now he's going to be part of the Melton. I mean, this is going to be part of the Melton because right. we use Danny Green to get Canard. Uh, so that's going to. It's going to continue as we examine, especially at the end of the season, as we look back at the Mountain Deal. Uh, you know, he's now going to play a big part in that. Yep. R.I.P. Danny Green. Um, it was fun while it lasted. Uh, you were, you know, a vet that came in, and uh, you know, no drama happened while you were here. There was definitely like a really huge vet presence in that locker room. A lot of good influence. Um, good luck on the podcast. Uh, in all seriousness, like he he was he was cool while he was here, but um, I'm I'm pretty happy that we don't have to rely on him uh, moving forward. And uh, he's got his work cut out for him in Houston. So um, part of me kind of hopes he gets bought out and then maybe shows up on like an Easter Conference team. I don't really want to see him on the, in a Western Conference uniform. Uh, but in in terms of in terms of what didn't happen with the Grizzlies, I mean we were as soon as the trade happened. There was still this kernel of hope because OG hadn't been dealt and Cam Johnson hadn't been dealt. Mikkel Bridges hadn't been dealt. Dorian Finney-Smith hadn't been dealt. And we still had the Dylan contract. And that's, to me, now we, we have the question open for this summer. But I, I had sent a prediction in, in the text about how 
since Hollinger proposed that renegotiation and extension with our remaining cap space this season, which was a little over $2 million, basically how that would have worked is you give Dylan an extra $2 million of that cap space for this season, and then all of a sudden his eligible extension increases to four years at $75 million. And right now with his value, how he's currently playing, and also looking at the rest of the books for the Grizzlies moving forward, if you can get Dylan under $20 million in an extension, you retain the asset, and that's a maybe a fairer number. Um, but the Grizzlies made a trade, which put them over the cap, and now that option is off the table. Yeah. And so now Dylan can take a four-year extension in the $60-plus million range, or we can wait until the summer when he is an unrestricted free agent extend him after that if he wants to stay around or we lose him for nothing so the grizzlies have absolutely made a choice with this deadline and we're not going to know the result of of that choice until the off season but what did y'all think about not dealing di- or maybe we did de- deal uh dylan and it just wasn't enough we will never know i would have loved to see what the negotiations were like for og um but what do y'all think about the Dylan situation now that we haven't haven't dealt him yet? I think I think the whole Dylan and the team. I do think that this is gonna be a like grow up moment. Like let's you know let's put our mind to the business at hand. Um, have a good close before the All Star break, which is you know what like three games or something like that. And, you know, take care of Minnesota at home tomorrow night, Friday night, tonight, depending on whenever you're listening to this. Um, and, I mean, and, and Dylan's a part of that. I, I, I you know, long-time listeners to this pod are not going to be surprised that I'm skeptical that he's going to be able to get out of the funk that he's in. He's also, also sucks that he's in this terrible scenario, regardless of, what I think about him and his play to the team. I don't love how the fans have sort of seemingly started to turn on him um, in a game scenario. Um, I, I, don't, I do not like that. I would not boo him unless if he, you know, hit one of our own players or another team's players in a place that isn't great at our, on our home court, you know? I mean, that may be the only reason why I would boo one of our players who was just, like, totally egregious. So, I don't know. I, that's basically the thing I think about it from a personal perspective. I'll let Kraft maybe get into the salary side of it. Um, but I don't know. I mean, is he even worth 15 a year right now? Like, I, that's the thing. You're saying four years 60. I'm like, I don't even think he's not even worth that. That he, he You know, he's had moments where he has demonstrated he might be it's not even close to me, objectively. Put it, my emotions aside. What is he really even? What is his true value? What do you think, Kraft? So, I think he has a lot of value. Uh, I mean, I I still am somebody. You know, going into the season, I I was thinking twenty five billion a year, like four mm-hmm. years, a hundred million was what he was going to go for, just because of our success last year. Uh, there seemed to be this sense the cap's going to be going up with the new TV deal. Guys, agents are asking for more than normal. Uh, but now he's had this struggle. And so, you know, we're in this weird position. At least I'll talk about salary and then I'll just talk about Dylan in general. We're in the weird position where 
if he plays really well the rest of the season in the playoffs, that means we've done really well, and which I, is what I ultimately want. But then he means he's going to cost more money. And if he doesn't play well, uh, then we probably will get him at a discount. But that probably means we didn't do well in the playoffs and we were had a disappointing season. So it's a very strange predicament the Grizzlies find themselves in. I mean, we still have the like sign and trade potential, you know, or even if we sign him, we can still trade him in a year or two. So there is like definitely outs with him in that sense, but it does, but, but basically we got to, I mean, we can't just let him walk away. I think that would be a total disaster. So like, it's going to be, you know, signing him and then trading him at some point or looking at him as a long-term part of our future. And, and I just think that's the way it's going to be. And so I would echo Brantley's sentiment. Uh, my hope is the booze, um, which I think were a little overblown. It wasn't like major. I mean, I think a lot of it was the kind of like the Kyle Anderson groaning of mm-hmm. like when Kyle Anderson would get a wide open shot and people would, or like Tayshawn Prince even oh. to go old school, Tayshawn Prince being open where people would kind of groan like, Oh, we don't really want you taking this open shot, but we know you sort of have to. Uh, so I'm hoping it was more of that than booze, but I actually, what I, my person, I think that, that was the crowd voicing who they thought – who would they like to trade from the Grizzlies in the upcoming trade deadline. I do think that a lot of fans now knowing we have Dylan for the rest of the year, I'm hoping that that doesn't happen again. I, we also – that was the angsty. I mean that was – if we lose this game, I mean you know, every I, even I am going to get pessimistic and lose my optimism if we were to, to have lost to the Bulls. So, so that's what I'm hoping it is. You know, I – I continue to say, you know, I, I think our starting five with Dylan being average Dylan, not like average NBA player, but average for Dylan offensively uh, with his defense. I do still think that starting five is good enough to win a title uh, if we get the right breaks. I think it's still, you know, that that if we'd been talking, uh, if you know, if the trade deadline had been a January 15th, we wouldn't have been as upset of not making a move because we'd have been like, well, we're we're killing people. We've won 11 straights. Uh, we have the number one defense. We have like a number nine, number eight offense. And, but maybe we can like upgrade some shooting and some other things that are obvious weaknesses. And so that's the, the hope is that he co- does it like that he comes back to his normal uh, stats offensively, that he continues to play amazing defense, that he continues the trend of being our fourth offensive option, uh, and that Jaron gets more and more aggressive. But you know, we're still going to there, – there's going to be times he's going to be wide open from three and we're going to need him to hit that shot uh, more than not. And I don't know if that will happen. We also – I mean, for me, the biggest thing also is he's got to contain his emotions. He can't be, uh, you know, getting flagrant twos, getting suspended for games. Uh, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the Raptors game, and that was a huge – not having him. We probably would have won that game if he had been suspended uh, because we were already sitting other people. So – and already had lost other people to the game. So – that that's sort of my thoughts very quickly that, you know, uh, like I don't, I, I wanted an upgrade. It would have been great. Uh, but I also think we're still fine, uh, where we are. And w- w- when we talk about maybe where we are in the West and stuff, I can get more into that. But, but overall, I mean, I just think it's time, uh, people are going to be frustrated with Dylan, but we have him, And so I think we need to start learning to love him uh, again. Uh, so he's going to be with us for a while. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, 
For a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So right now the cap next season's right now just as like an estimate is about 134000 with the salaries on the books without Dylan. And this is assuming we pick up Xavier Tillman's $1.9 million team option. The salaries are already at one forty four. Okay, so we're $10 million over the cap. We have Dylan's bird rights, which means we can sign him even though we're over the cap and even though he's going to be unrestricted. The tax line is estimated to be at about 162. That leaves about 17 million, a little over 17 million between where our salaries are and where the tax is. And if I'm the Grizzlies front office, that's sort of the anchor number because teams typically use the tax as a threshold for, you know, if we start going above that, then this team becomes way more expensive and it's up to the owner if they want to actually go out. And this is pre-Bain extension. So like, we're looking at, you know, Tyus, though, is going to come off the books after next season. Um, we have the team option on Luke Kennard. So there's there's flexibility, but that's where we're looking right now in terms of salary against the tax. They could make, like I said, $2 more million of room if they want to decline Xavier Tillman. We'll see on that. But it's going to be a big question going into the offseason. Not only that, but the guys that we were targeting, like I mentioned earlier, are still going to be available. And my guess is the Raptors uh, are going to have to choose a direction no matter what. I mean, they didn't deal any of the guys we thought they were going to deal. They're still not very good this season. So they're gonna, you've you got to think they're going to retool. Brooklyn can't have eight 3 and D wings on their roster. Like, they're going to make some deals this summer. So I think the deals that we were trying, that we were hoping the Grizzlies were going to get done between 1.30 and 2 p.m. today are still going to be out there. And it's just going to become a little bit diffi- more difficult without that Dylan Brooks salary unless you sign him and trade him. So yeah. going to be really interesting moving yeah. forward to think through that. Right. And I think that's, you know, to Brantley's point earlier, I mean, I think that is the sadness is uh, we still have hope, which I think is a good thing. We still have the future. We have not pushed all in. And so now there's a little bit of a desperation for like, okay, now this what's our ceiling? Let's see. So we still have that out there. But it, it does, you know, oh. Yeah, we're not getting it. We don't have the we don't have an OG or a Bridges for this season, you know. So, let me ask you guys this question. Oh, go ahead, Brantley. Well, I was just going to say we haven't really mentioned mentioned Bridges. I mean, <clears throat> directly. I mean, that was that's the one where I mean, there's a reason why Grizz Twitter is just freaking out, right? I mean, it's like that's the per is the perfect fit. Is like, I literally was joking with you guys. Like, I'm pretty sure I would cry on this podcast whether we get him or not get him. And and I'm gonna I'm holding my tears because we didn't get him, and maybe there's still hope for for the future because um, he just fits you know timeline and need and fit and moxie with the Warriors, all the kind of stuff that was just fun to pay attention to on socials if you were you know looking at Twitter every five seconds like Kraft and Ty were, but. I, I do just think that there's there is this this sense in Grizz fandom of which I am this way where it's like at some point there's got to be a time 
And, I, you know, do I think that getting bridges over Dylan this year makes us better than a healthy Phoenix Suns? No. You know? So, like, m- maybe it helps us go seven with them, but, like, do I think that we beat the best scorer of all time and, Devin, and a healthy Devin Booker and healthy Chris Paul? No. But if they were hurt, then sure. You know? And that's a break. And I think that depending on what happens in the playoffs, we, I am going to have some hindsight bias where if a Paul or Booker gets injured um, or, you know, and if the Clippers scenarios don't work out perfectly, you know, if there's some, like, if there's some breaks that were there for the taking and we didn't make the upgrade, that's where I do think that there is some merit to maybe we're being a little bit too conservative and we're playing this super, super long game. But Kleiman himself said at the beginning of the season that our window is now. So if the window is now, and and for a team like the Grizzlies to make it to the end, you've got to be able to to make a you know an intelligent bet. And we didn't really make it. It, it is going to be interesting to look back because it's, now it's not just about Dylan. It's about really. You know, we don't know what was out there. Those players that we were targeting didn't get traded, right? You know, so maybe they were holding on to them the whole time. We're never going to really know, but it is fair to wonder, could we have pushed in a little bit more to get the thing if there was a break? If there was no break, then I think we're all going to feel fine. Like, if the Suns stay healthy and they wind up going to the to the finals, you know, and playing the Sixers or playing the Bucks, then I think that, like, as much as we – wish cast this Grizzlies team to be in that echelon, you know, it's fair to say that the West got better and it was fair for us to not push in. But if like KD gets hurt, I'm going to really look back at this time, at this window where there was a ton of activity and just really be second guessing. Did we make the right decision? Yeah. One of the things that I actually tweeted today was that it's to me, it's not a question of whether the Grizzlies front office should make a trade. Like, I think that question was answered. They themselves, in you never hear reporting about the Grizzlies, but you to me, you got more reporting this deadline than I've ever seen about the Grizzlies being aggressive and, like, making calls. But I said it's not about whether they think they should make a trade because I think they do think they should make a trade. It's whether they should be willing to lose a trade. And that's my fear with this front office is that they are never going to be okay with quote unquote losing a trade. Now that's also the best. One of the best traits about a front office is that they're going to be smart and not do anything stupid and not mortgage their future. Like the Lakers did uh, to get guys that might get them into the play in maybe like the six seed best case scenario and then lose in the first or second round. Like they didn't, they're not completely mortgaging their future, but it's like, yeah, if you throw in three first-rounders and two young players instead of one, you would quote-unquote lose that trade since you're not getting an all-star in return. And that's typically like a trade you get all-stars in return. But in our context, tech, our context with the amount of picks we have, like it might be okay to lose a trade like that in terms of value. And that's what I think that they're maybe fearful of and you could – critique them for that reason uh but again like i would love to know what we did not put on the table because to me that would inform my opinion about this scenario way more than we can possibly do without knowing the effort we don't have a road not taken 
because the road wasn't taken with any other team. It could have been the Nets and the Raptors both just shut talks down and said, like, no matter how much we're trying to get out of you, no matter how much you offer, we're going to say no right yeah. now and push it to the summer. So we'll see. Yeah. So, you know, I, I am less conflicted with y'all um, uh, about this trade deadline, and, and that's for a couple reasons. Um, that, uh, that I, you know, we look – like, I, I often like to look at the Warriors – even though I hate the Warriors and so I want to beat them, but I look at the fact of so much of their history is the trades they didn't make, um, and so some of that is you know the the trade they didn't make uh, for Kevin Love with Clay Thompson. They kept their people. They believed in their developments over going after what the media wanted them to go after. They uh, you know even last year everybody was screaming for them to make some picks upgrade, and of course we can laugh uh, later about them giving away the number two pick to just save money. But, uh, but they kind of held strong to some of their young players when everybody was like, you got to upgrade or you're not going to win a title. Now, I think they got a lot of breaks last year. They got very fortunate. Uh, and so I'm someone who is not buying all the hype around the trade deadline talks and West being better. Um, I actually could argue the Suns got worse. Uh, I really believe – I mean, I, I'm not trying to just hot take it. Uh, I, I think Bridges is really good. That's why I wanted him a lot. And so I actually um, think that because we're young, because we're still so young, because uh, we have yet to lose when healthy with the core that we have now, we have yet to lose a playoff series to a team. Uh, You know, we lost the Warriors, but there was a lot of bad breaks that we got Um, because we're still the fundamentals still show we're second in the West. We've had a great season. Everything looks good. We made a trade to upgrade our worst place, which is shooting. Um, there, I just would be very scared to lose a trade. And I think there's, there's a possibility, you know, if, if I thought this was the last chance to get a, a player like OG and, and uh, Bridges, I would say, you know, we should maybe try to lose the trade. I don't think there is. I think we have opportunities to get good 3 and D wings the next couple years. I think we have not hit that place where we have aging superstars, where we've got to win now. So for me, I don't want I'm glad our front office did not lose a trade. I don't think we're there yet. I want to be I want to be shown that we're not good enough in the West to get out of the West with the current roster we have before I want to go out and lose a trade. Now, if we can upgrade to an OG or a Bridges with giving what I think everybody would say is is a correct amount, which to me would be like a Dylan Zaire and and take your two picks, even the Golden State Warriors pick, um, or you know, and maybe even talk me into. Although I would be upset to lose Aldama, but like maybe even Aldama instead of Zaire or whatever. Like I could be talked into that, but but from what it sounds like with what they're asking, I, I like that our front office didn't overpay because I don't think we're there. I want to see us lose to some of these teams. I still think we're better. Uh, I actually think the Suns are not going to do anything in the playoffs. I don't believe in – I mean, it's like the same mistake the Nets made all over again to me. It's it's let's get two or three superstars that are aging. Let's get them together. Let's have no depth and see if we can make it four rounds and nobody get injured. Uh, let's see if we can just throw great players together that have not developed chemistry, that have never played together, and see if it works in 30 games and get ready for the playoffs. I don't buy it. Like So in my mind, there's still one team better than us in the West. That is it, uh, potentially, and that's the Denver Nuggets. And I don't like that they got an upgrade, I think, uh, at center. 
that they they got Thomas Bryant, who's I think a decent center. I still, you know, it's not amazing. Who knows how he responds in his eight eight to nine minutes in the playoffs? But I I still feel so. I feel good about us. I'm excited about seeing what we do in the playoffs. None of my optimism. I still think we can potentially catch the Nuggets this year. Um, and the only reason I think we will lose to any team in the West is because uh, they have home court advantage over us. So I still feel that way, um, despite all of the talk and everybody's going to say the Suns are huge favorites. I don't buy it. Um, and we can talk more about that if we want to. But that's my little little hot take. I don't think the Mavs got better. Uh, I don't think uh, – I think the Mavs are a walking disaster show waiting to happen. I think the Suns are the same thing. I just I – don't, I don't see how – it's just everything I know about basketball says you can't just throw good players on a team with no chemistry and they win. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm going to disagree take. with you there. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I think when you – assuming health – you know, like which, like we're we're making. That's which, by the way, assumption. Kevin Kevin Durant has, like, he's not playing. Right. He has a messed this up knee. Big assumption. I'm. I'm and he's thirty, and he's with, in his mid thirties. With both with both Chris Paul and Durant, it is a big assumption to say health. If healthy, I think their you know seven guys are good enough to to figure it out. I think Paul and Durant are both the type of mindset of a player that can be plugged in and figure some stuff out in the short term to make to make a deep run. I just do. I think Duran is that good. I think he's proven it when he's healthy that he can. And I think Booker is phenomenal of a scorer and I think that they'll they'll make a run. I think to overlook what the Clippers did is also nuts. I mean we don't I mean I know Eric Bledsoe hasn't been motivated in seven years. Now maybe he can't get it back, but I, Eric I, Gordon, real, not Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> did I say Bledsoe? Sorry, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're right we, though. We, Eric Bledsoe hasn't been motivated in seven years either. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's he might have never been motivated. Let's honestly, edit that out. Let's edit that error out. Uh, that was a mind, a Freudian mindset. But yeah, Gordon, thank you. Uh, and I think they added some fringe players that I'm not gonna lie. I don't want to see them in a seven game series. I don't think that we'll beat them. I, I just don't. I, if, if assuming health. Um, and I'm, I'm, I still don't think that we can say we would beat Golden State. And I definitely am scared shitless of facing the Timberwolves, who gave us, honestly, who probably should have beaten us in a seven-game series. And they've got Conley, who's going to be able to figure some stuff out for them. I, I'm just saying that, like, I think to this is just where your optimism, I think, is blinding you. My friend, I, I just don't. <laughs> the I, whole I didn't say got better, and I get it. I and and honestly, if we, you know, we're going through a skid, all good teams do. That is a fair statement. I'm hoping that we can recover it and we can get back. And three weeks later, we'll look back and be like, man, that was a good team going through a rough stint. We needed we needed a couple shooting here and there, and people got hot. But in a seven game series, I look at those rosters and just think they're. It is, uh, it's crazy just to think that home court alone would separate us from those scenarios because, like, there's certain things. I'm not convinced that Steven Adams can stay on the court in a playoff series. It's very matchup dependent. And I really think that we've seen in this stint what happens when he's off the court for us. 
And I think there's small little moments like that that we're going to, unfortunately, my prediction is that we learn what our ceiling is and it's lower than what it should be. Um, and I, again, I'm a fan. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I'm sort of seeing from an objectivity perspective. I do think there's some regular season stats, particularly defense, that are a little misleading in terms of what our true potential and, uh, and upside is. I just, I guess I just, I'd, I just don't see the smoke and mirrors. Like I just think our your your stats are your stats, your record is your record. And like to me the question marks are when like five, six years, when has Kawhi Leonard and Paul George made it through an entire playoffs healthy? When has Kevin Durant and Chris Paul made it through an entire playoffs healthy? When has, you know, uh Luca and Kyrie Irving made it through a whole playoffs, you know, uh especially Kyrie healthy. Like, I just think there's a the lot Grizzlies of those negatives. What if the Grizzlies done it? What well, no, I agree. But, and and I, I agree with that as well. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think lesser teams would have folded much more than we did against the Warriors last year when we lost our best player. Uh, and I'm not, so I'm not saying that, I just think breaks happen everywhere. I just don't see, uh, in a, like, I think what, the, what happened is now, instead of being the T-Wolves in five, they might take us to seven. Instead of being the Suns, in five or six, they might take us to seven. But I still think we're going to have home court advantage against all these teams. And I want to see. I, I think you put you put the best version of the Suns, Durant, healthy Durant, healthy Booker, healthy Chris Paul. I don't see us. I think we beat them at home. I think we beat them at home. I saw I saw Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have one of the best games ever uh, with us not having any of our good defensive players, and we beat them. You know, I, I just – I don't – so all that said, I mean, I, you know, we can have other podcasts to argue about all this stuff. But I, I just would say that I still think we're the second best team. I think that we could have made a move to be like not just the best team this year, but the best team going forward for the next three or four years. And that's sort of my sadness today. Uh, but I still have as much optimism about this season uh, and excitement for it as I did before the trade deadline. To me, the way that I'm thinking about the West now is in, and I'm talking about the, the teams that are like op, basically going to be in the playoffs. I know that the the standings are are what they are right now, and everybody's separated within like four or five games uh, from like three to thirteen or whatever. But here's how I'm thinking about it: I have a tier one, which is Denver, Memphis, Clippers, and Phoenix. And so, any of those four teams, if those four teams were in the final four, that would shock me the least. I then have a next tier down. I have Golden State probably at the top of this tier just because of their starting lineup numbers and how they've proven it in the playoffs. This yeah, Curry chance. injury really has me worried for them because they're going to have to survive the rest of the regular season and actually they're ninth right now. So, like, who knows where they're going to be. I have Minnesota in this category. I think they got better with Mike Conley over D'Angelo Russell because he's played with Gobert before and he knows how best to defer when he has a star uh, both on the wing and down low. He just is the perfect guy for them. Do I think that he's a long-term fix? No, he's getting older. But this season, I still am scared of the Timberwolves. And then I have Dallas third among this group. It's only because of Luka and the way that he plays in the playoffs. I Adding Kyrie and losing Dinwiddie and, and Dorian Finney-Smith to me is like such great news for everybody else in the West. They're going to have a great offense, but I just don't trust it to be um, – be great and then after that tier of three so we've gotten through now seven teams I kind of have the rest of the of the teams that are in the playoffs qualified right now which is the Kings like they're a total prove it to me in the playoffs team uh and then the Pelicans I think their struggles have been incredibly apparent and they did not make a move 
that made them better uh, in the trade deadline. And then you have a Josh team Richardson like the Blazers. A score. He's a good player. Yeah. You know. Yeah, whatever. Um, we don't like to give the Pelicans positivity. I was totally, I was totally. I, I, you know, honestly, if I'm a Pels fan, that's the one I'm the most. They have so much stuff. I don't know why they didn't. They're they're the kitchen sink. They're worried about Brandon and 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 Zion. I mean, I guess that's true. You can't really go all in when you don't even know if Zion's going to play the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, they're they got fragile Greg Odin's on the the foundation of their franchise. Move them to Seattle. Get out of New Orleans. Yeah, but I'm just like. It's that upper tier that I'm still worried about, and then it's the tier below with the teams that just have high ceilings if they have it all together. And so the West, to me, is a lot more interesting now with Durant and Kyrie here and the Minnesota-LA trade. Uh, and like I still don't predict the Lakers to make any noise whatsoever. I think now that LeBron's hit his scoring record, his, his, his uh, you know, goal has been achieved for the 22-23 season. And so I do not think we're going to see a motivated Lakers team despite the trades that they made. I, I I just don't overall. And they're one more Anthony Davis or LeBron James injury away from completely punting on this season. So he, Who's out today, by the way? LeBron's out tonight. Yeah, exactly. It's the Bucks. Exactly. So the, the uh, mid-third quarter ceremony just took it all out of him um, last game. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, with that tier, I mean, I, I think that I kind of I think I kind of aligned with those tiers as well um, with just and it's less, you know, actually the capability of the Warriors makes them a tier one. But like I just you're, you're not going to come from the play in and win a title. Uh, you, you know, I just I just think that I mean, I, I guess. You know, wait and see it happen. It's just that's just so hard to do. But I think Grizzlies fans, in some senses, we might we might look up and as as upset as I am right now that we're like uh, have kind of fallen, uh, let let a lot of ground uh, for the Nuggets. That we could look up and if if the Kings can hold on to the three and we can hold on to the two, that could potentially, in some ways, we and I think we're going to have a kind of a good a tough. I think because of what you're talking about, I think we're going to have a tough first round matchup. I just think it's the West is deep. But we could have the Kings as a three seed and, and a, another pretty good team as the six. Them having a really tough series, um, and then us potentially maybe the Kings, you know, uh, sneak out of that, you know, or a good really good six seed. But then us have home court against uh, maybe a Kings team that I would feel very very positive about us being able to beat. And then with the Nuggets, the hope would be that one of these, you know, the, the Suns. Uh, Mavs, you know, maybe Warriors or somebody would be on that other side of the bracket and somehow upset the the Nuggets and then us have home court in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, that's kind of, I think, sort of the way it could break for us um, in some ways. So I think if you're a Grizz fan, I would be obviously cheering for the Grizzlies to get right um, and to kind of definitely be the two seed. But then we want the Kings to stay the three. So I think, yeah. you know, get, all, get excited about lighting the beam, uh, be a Kings fan. Uh, you know, and get them the three seed and us the two seed. And I think, you know, it could be end up being a really good seed matchup for us. Yeah, so I guess Kraft, what do you what do you what do you expect the team to come out Friday against um, Minnesota and, and, and look like? Uh, it's so hard. You know, I mean that's like we're we're like so emo and, and uh weird right now. So in the sense like I, I expect big things post all star break. Uh, but I would say that I'm hoping, and I'll be at the game, I am hoping that we come out uh, because I think, you know, the T-Wolves are going to be very uh, – I, I don't know. We, we don't know if Conley will be there. I suspect 
they're probably going to be pretty short-handed tomorrow night with all the physicals and all the traveling. And so I would hope that we really take care of business because, you know, the only people we might not have is Luke Kennard. Uh, and so I hope we come out strong. We've played well at home. I mean, it's actually a weird deal is we would lose the season series to the T-Wolves if we lost. Uh, so I think I want to see us come out strong then. And then I'm really looking to the Celtics are going to be without Jalen Brown. We're going to be on national TV. Um, I think that's for me seeing if we're the old Grizzlies or if we're the last 10 game Grizzlies and how we approach a national spotlight against the Celtics uh, with them missing Jalen Brown. Uh, so I actually think, you know, we're not going to be favored. Uh, they're they're going to definitely be home favorites, but we should we should be able to play with the Celtics. I mean, we did at home. We should be able to play with the Celtics without Jalen Brown. I mean, at least stay in the game. So make it competitive like we did at the Warriors uh, a few weeks ago. So that's sort of the way. I mean, I'm so I'm hoping to see a renewed energy. I, I you know, I don't know if Dylan Dylan still might take a while to get over the booing and the trade deadline stuff, but I'm hoping that 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 a lot of the last ten games has been some of that going on with him. Of thinking he might get traded. All right, we're going to close it out. We're going to give our final grades for this trade deadline for the Grizzlies. I will start. I'm going to give this trade deadline a B plus. If you asked me to grade on a curve, I would actually give it an A minus. Based on all the deals that did not happen, I do not. Again, I re- I said this already, but we don't see the road not taken in front of us because the road was not taken by any teams. And so on a curve, I would give it an A minus. I would bump it down to a B plus overall as my final grade, because um, I think we could look up after this postseason and think, what if, and with limited information, I'm still going to give it a B plus. I'll, I'll, oh, you want to go, Brandon? Yeah. Cause I, I, I don't, I was going to, when you said how we would grade it, I was just going to do the, like when you, you know how you would complete like a lab and you would just get, you completed it. Cool. That's what I feel like we did. I just, I don't think I can grade it. I feel like we're going to grit. We're going to have to see how the playoffs play out. And that's what I really feel like. And I'm, um, so it feels like we just, we did the bare, bare minimum completion move. Uh, I just gave it a solid B. Um, I actually like that you're a little more positive than me, Will. Uh, but I think just a B, I think uh, if, if, if we got a version of Luke Kennard that was a little better defensively, um, maybe a little worse shooting, but a little better defensively uh, than... Uh, I might have given it a B plus, A minus, uh, but I'll just give it a B. They did what I wanted, uh, and so to me, but to get an A from me, you have to do something. You have to kind of surprise me, uh, get me excited, uh, bring bring tears to my eyes, as Brantley said. Uh, but uh, but I so but a solid B still, um, and I hope that Grizzlies fans. I think there's a little disappointment because of the way the day went and the hopes uh, that it looked really like really promising for a while there. But I hope they realize that. Uh, I think that nobody should go away saying our front office was like just staying pat. I mean, like you said, I just think they were going after it. And I just think they decided at the end of the day not to overpay. And like you said, uh, that's, we'll be talking about that decision. Hopefully we won't be talking about it because we did great this year. And, but, uh, but that could be a decision we talk about for a while. Like you said, well, thanks for joining us. This has been the instant reaction to the trade deadline. We will be back with you soon. 
uh, probably during the All-Star break after this stretch of games. Uh, tune in Sunday. I know that their Super Bowl is that night, but the Grizzlies play before that, so get a little Super Bowl appetizer. Uh, let's try to beat the, the Celtics on their home floor uh, and just get right. This team just needs a get-right stretch, more than just one game. So let's get right before the All-Star break. For Kraft, for Brantley, for Ty, shout-out, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>